By Every Measure Season 2 is supported by the Argosy Foundation. Hey, this is Tariq Moody, Program Director of Hyphen. And this is By Every Measure Season 2, a podcast from Radio Milwaukee, part of the NPR Podcast Network. We're back, creating a safe space for black voices to be heard and our experiences validated. We understand the deep impact of systemic racism and how it continues to affect our lives in ways that many people outside of community cannot comprehend. While some of the country are trying to stop these conversations from happening, we believe having them is very important and will lead to a better, more inclusive world for all. Because you can't have American history without black history. On this episode, then I will tell you housing. There's just not enough housing. And unfortunately, like a lot of issues, it weighs most heavily on people of color not having that opportunity. That's Ken Robertson with the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. The GMF is spearheading a new development called Thrive On, which actually overlaps with many of the topics we are talking about on this season of By Every Measure. Thrive On will open inside the old Gimbel Schuster's building in Milwaukee's Halyard Park neighborhood. It'll combine affordable housing, health, and education under one roof. But what's really different is the who. It's all based on collaboration between the foundation, private equity, and healthcare sectors. Later in this episode, we'll hear from both Ken and from Greg Wesley of the Medical College of Wisconsin to learn more about the who and why. But first, we need to cover the where. Thrive On will be located in the Halyard Park neighborhood. It's one of Milwaukee's distinctly black suburbs and the only one to be intentionally built in the city center. It's adjacent to the Deer District, spans just a few square blocks, and it's unlike any other place in Milwaukee. Historian and journalist Reggie Jackson explains how Halyard Park was built. Yeah, so the Halyard Park neighborhood was developed starting in 1976 through the early 90s. And it's a very unique neighborhood. It's, it's, it's like this hidden gem in Milwaukee. People don't even know it exists, right? And the neighborhood is kind of the boundaries of it. The north end is Garfield. The southern edge is Brown Street. And then 6th Street to the west and 4th Street, which is now Vail Phillips, you know, to the east. And what happens is a group of, of uh, working class black people who were frustrated that they weren't welcome in a suburb said, you know, why don't we build a suburb within the city? And one of the leaders of that was this man, Beachy Brooks, who was a real estate developer and real estate agent. And he started an organization called United Realty. And what they did is he built the first home in Halyard Park. And the neighborhood was named after the Halyard family, you know, this beautiful family that moved to Milwaukee from Beloit in the 1920s because they wanted to help black people in Milwaukee do the things they were doing in Beloit, which is become homeowners. In 1924, they started Columbia Savings and Loan, which was literally the only lending institution in the city that would loan money to black people for mortgages for homes or businesses. And then... Columbia Savings Alone, which is, you know, right basically on 20th and North Avenue, they literally funded all of these new homes. So they built 42 or 43 homes that became the Hollywood Park neighborhood. So they went and they said, listen, why is it that we can't have the same types of homes that they have in Brookfield or Mequon or, you know, other places in the North Shore? They use those homes as models Mm -hmm. for the homes that they built. And these were homes for working class people. You know, these homes were 40 to $75,000 homes. You know, I tell people, if you've never seen them, go over to the Hollywood Park neighborhood and just take a walk around. And I call them the, like the Brady Bunch houses because <laughs> that's what they remind me of, right? 
you know, I know some couples that live there. I've been inside of their homes. It's absolutely just beautiful homes. And it's this hidden gem in Milwaukee. And what they wanted to do, and it's very unique because I don't think that there's another community anywhere in the country no. that <laughs> built a suburb within the city, mm-hmm. you know, and this was all black people that did this, you know, that came together and said, we want to do this. People in Milwaukee don't even know the neighborhood exists. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that people started to see more of it, particularly white people that live in Metro Milwaukee, started to notice the neighborhood after the Bucks Arena yeah. was built and they didn't want to pay, you know, 30, the high cost of parking <laughs> down by Pfizer Forum. So they would literally walk up to or drive up to Hellyer Park and park. Because, you know, some of the people I know are like, I'm tired of these Bucks fans parking in front of our <laughs> houses every, you know, every night the Bucks play. We can't even park in front of our own houses because of these people. So people start to notice, like, man, look at these houses, man. We're in the so-called hood, but look at these houses. It doesn't look like the hood. And you're like, wow, man, why am I paying, you know, $800,000 for a house out in Brookfield or Mequon when I can buy one of these houses for $200,000? And really over the last... 10 years or so, you began to see two big changes in Halyard Park. A lot of those residents that built those homes in the late 70s through the early 90s, you know, they're, they're, they're older people. Mm-hmm. Many of them pass away. Some of the homes are still in their families, but a lot of them, you know, the families were offered so much money that they sold the homes. Mm-hmm. And what people have been doing is people have been buying those houses. People from outside that community have been buying those houses, turning them into Airbnbs, yeah you know, charging a lot of money and they, they made a good good living from doing that. And you're beginning to see people in the neighborhood because the housing values are now have increased. These are older people on a fixed income. Property taxes. Property taxes have gone through the roof. They can't afford it. And so you're starting to lose the essence of what that neighborhood was. It's almost like what you're seeing in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you think of Harlem, you think of black people, right? But you go to Harlem, you're like, man, where are the black people at? <laughs> I mean, you're beginning to kind of see mm-hmm. some of that in Hellyer Park, not to that extent, but I think it's gonna to continue to shift over the next five to 10 years, and you're gonna see the, the complexion of the neighborhood change. And that, that to me is not a good thing because Hellyer Park is like a shining example a model of what black success, right? Yeah. And these weren't black people with a ton of money, these were working class black people. You know, they worked at A.O. Smith or, you know, they worked at, you know, American Motors or someplace mm-hmm. like that. These weren't people with a ton of money, but, they wanted to live in a neighborhood that wasn't a distressed neighborhood. They had really beautiful homes, nice big backyards and stuff, and they built it. And to me, that's a sign of the resilience of the black community in Milwaukee. It's like, okay, you're not going to let us move to the suburbs. We're just going to build a suburb of our own in the city, well, and we're going to be perfectly okay with that. How do you replicate Howard Park around Milwaukee and other in other places in Milwaukee? And how do you stop essentially the gentrification of Halyard Park? Well, I think it's really hard to stop the gentrification because, you know, everything close to, you know, downtown Milwaukee, around the Bucks Stadium, you know, the, the new public museum, all those things are happening. There's so much development happening on Martin Luther King Drive. So a lot of changes are happening. And I look at it as, you know, it's, it's good in a way because it's, you know, it's bringing some new businesses to the neighborhood. All those things are positive, you know. but if that development is not aligned with keeping people in those neighborhoods that are there, if it's displacing people, that's the, that's the other side of gentrification. It's the displacement of people that have been in that neighborhood for decades, right? And now they're at a point where they can't afford it. And in terms of replicating Hellyer Park, 
I think it took a, a really unique set of forces to create Hallyard Park back in 1970. You know, we don't have a beach, Beachy Brooks anymore in Milwaukee. We don't have a person with that kind of, you know, mindset like, yeah, let's let's create something new and different. I think they, they benefited from the fact that that area had been devastated by, you know, the urban renewal and also the, you know, the freeway construction. It was a lot, just a lot of empty blocks over there. And so it was an easy place to build. There's nothing here. Let's build. And I don't think that you have a place in Milwaukee that would fit into into that framework today. And, you know, I think the important thing about how your park, when they built it, these were working class people. These weren't people with a bunch of money. These were people that, you know, you know, worked a nine to five job like like most of us do. And they wanted something different. And they had some leadership that said, OK, let's do something different in Milwaukee. So it's not necessarily the people who are in these communities already. It's the folks that want to come in and redevelop and the area itself and then the area around it. It's it's explaining to them that this is a valuable part of our community, whether you're local or whether you're an outside person coming in and wanting to create some kind of change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, Hellier Park is like a treasure, you know, gigantic diamond on the beach somewhere. That's what Hellier Park looks like to me. And we don't we don't embrace it. We don't you know, shine a light on how you're parking that way and say, man, look at this. This is great. Let's build some things close to it. Let's, let's, you know, development here because this is a, the type of neighborhood that we want to see more neighborhoods in Milwaukee look like. Let's make it so that it's not just this residential part of this part of town, but, you know, everything around it is growing as well because we want to maintain the essence of what how your park was created for. And I don't, I don't think that our leadership in Milwaukee has embraced Halyard Park in that way. You know, we talk about this Bronzeville initiative and all the developments mm-hmm. happening, but I don't, I don't generally hear them talk about Halyard Park as being part of that. And Halyard Park is right there. There wouldn't have been no Halyard Park had there been no Bronzeville. And I think that we haven't embraced Halyard Park as part of this Bronzeville initiative or even talked about it because I think if people were to go and see the neighborhood, they would be like, oh, my goodness, what did they do? How did they do this? And so it's kind of a shared responsibility then to make is. sure that these communities stay as they are. And, I mean, you can still build whatever you want. You can still build off of the buck success and all that. But leadership needs to make sure that the people coming in wanting to create change still understand that you have to grow what you have here. Otherwise, it goes kind of back to the brain drain and all that stuff. People don't feel valued. People are bought out then what else do you have except for just nothing? (laughs) Prior to COVID, I used to do what I call segregation tours, right? And so part of those segregation tours would be taking people to to Hellier Park, showing them Hellier Park. And, you know, these were people, you know, that were in corporate, you know, offices and things that nature, business leaders in Milwaukee had never heard of Hellier Park, never seen it. I'm like, guys, look at this. Look at what we have here. This is a treasure. But they were shocked. They couldn't believe it. I'm like, I've never heard of this before, Reggie. I'm like, because you've been told your entire life that, you know, this is a black neighborhood, which means it's a bad neighborhood. Therefore, you have no desire to invest in it, spend any time in it. I think if we were to start to shine positive lights on Hellier Park and the history of Hellier Park and why those Mm -hmm. black people said, listen, we can do this. We're resilient. We know that people aren't going to help us do this, but we're going to do it ourselves then I think it would be kind of a different mindset about building new Hallier Parks in Milwaukee. 
As you can hear, there is something special happening in Halyard Park. And for us to build on that success, to eventually build other Halyard Parks, Milwaukee needs to make sure the neighborhood stays strong for generations to come. Coming up next, we'll talk to Greg Wesley of the Medical College of Wisconsin and learn more about the Thrive On Project, how leaders are balancing a new development while avoiding gentrification. Next on By Every Measure. Thanks for listening to the second season of By Every Measure. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we encourage you to join our By Every Measure discussion group on Radio Milwaukee's Facebook page. Each week, we're opening a dialogue on the episode's topics with daily conversation prompts and a weekly virtual meetup to discuss responses and navigate the community conversations collectively. You can find the group at facebook.com slash Radio Milwaukee. Welcome back. We covered Halyard Park in the first section, its origins, how it was built, and why it's so unique to the city. So what does its future look like? What will it take to sustain it? Greg Wesley is the Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Business Development for the Medical College of Wisconsin and worked directly on the Thrive On project. The mixed-use development will include early childhood education, a location for Versity Blood Center, healthy food options, and of course, plentiful housing for a neighborhood in need. Why that neighborhood? Why that area for Thrive On? Why, why specifically this Harambee Halyard Park area? Why was the focus on that? It was an area that had history. Mm-hmm. It's an area that, you know, has some of the negative indicators mm-hmm. you were talking about, but we really believe that if we could go in and invest we could start to focus on changing some of those negative indicators. It was a an artistic community with Harambe. Hallier Park has a deep, deep history of, you know, economic development, people choosing to stay in the city when others chose to leave. It is a proud community. It was next to a historic building that had been underutilized. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also near a neighborhood that had gone through gentrification, a portion of it, but also another portion that a lot of people don't talk about. You mentioned one word, gentrification. Mm -hmm. Before I get into that, I want to talk about the building itself. Sure. You know, probably a lot of people out there are curious. You talk about these focus areas of doing this work. Mm -hmm. How does this building help with that? What I mean by that, what is going to that building to address these issues? So a couple of things. First, it was also, I should also say that it was a place in which the residents of all of those neighborhoods welcomed us because we also knew that we could not do what we want to do without being with community. Mm. So the leaders of the Hallier Park Neighborhood Association, Lenny Mosley in particular, Mm -hmm. uh, was fantastic. So we created what we called a community advisory committee, Mm -hmm. which was residents from Hallier Park, Harambe, and Brewers Hill, and also other community leaders and also the alderwoman of the district, Malele Coggs, she was instrumental in, you know, providing us access to have conversation with community. Mm-hmm. When we talked to her, she said, you know, before I can tell you that I'm supportive or not supportive, you need to go talk to my residents. Mm-hmm. And 
I'll listen to my mm-hmm. residents. So the community invited us, but they also told us that we had to listen to them. Mm-hmm. So we held a number of listening sessions and then reflected back the things that we heard. And that's how we began kind of. Can you talk about some of the things that really stuck out from these sessions that the community was uh, telling you? Sure. Uh, Number one, they wanted us to be a part of the community. So if we were going to redevelop the building, they didn't want it to just be a building that people went into and worked and then left. They wanted the, I'll call it the people who would occupy the building to be a part of their community. They wanted to know who we were. So that was one thing. They also wanted to see uh, reflections of themselves in the artwork that would be in the building. They also wanted it to be a place where they could have community gathering on the first floor. And it could be anything from a small community Mm -hmm. gathering to a larger community gathering. They wanted to see affordable, quality food opportunities. They wanted to see a place that youth could choose to go to if they wanted as well. And so we tried to identify uses that would be reflective of those things. So youth, quality, food options, gathering, art, and not necessarily from a museum quality mm-hmm. standpoint, but just reflective of, of the, uh, the residents in the area. Going to the back, you mentioned gentrification and Halyard Park. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, quick story. Atlanta created this really cool project. Ryan Gravel, fellow architect, this thesis to create this thing, old rail line mm-hmm. converted to a belt line. Yep. And this goal was connect the neighborhoods. That's right. Right. It did that, but it also had a major side effect. Like the house, the average house price in Atlanta is now $400,000 around that area. Mm-hmm. Right. And those neighborhoods are black neighborhoods are being affected by that where they can't afford, you know, the tensions were good. But of course, you know, when you build something like that, people are like, I want to live there too. I was thrive on it trying to address that kind of issues of gentrification. You know, how your park is dealing with that, right? Sure. I was even had a chance to buy a house in Howard Park slightly out of my <laughs> price range. And when I first visited Howard Park, I was just like, wait, what? What, right. what is, what's going on here? What, right. what is this? This is amazing. Right. And to start hearing these stories from Reggie Jackson to like oh, these little stories that are popping up. And, and I heard stories about people like getting it and putting an Airbnb charging $1,000 a night or something ridiculous. Is Thrive On trying to, I assume that was an issue with Halyard Park, right? To stay in the house, yep. like make sure that this this historic neighborhood was like, help, help start the first black bank in Milwaukee. And what it is, is now, you know, just like what's happened to Harlem, what's happening like everywhere. Can you talk to me about how Thrive On is trying to hopefully address some of these concerns? Because even, you know, to be honest, like even your building could affect. Correct. Right? Correct. So a couple of things. You asked me about information that came from community members, Mm -hmm. and that was one. The issue of gentrification was one. And the way we tried to respond to it is we worked with uh, the Greater Milwaukee Committee to create an anti-displacement fund. We went out and raised private dollars. Both MCW and the Greater Milwaukee Foundation invested in the anti-displacement fund and we worked with uh, Riverworks and we, you know, go door to door to make sure people are aware of the fund. And if they meet the criteria, they can access money from the fund to pay for um, what we call the increase in property taxes. Those, yeah. 
Which I, I I did not know that like Milwaukee has the highest property tax rate in the country, one of the highest. It does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the anti-displacement form was one example. Yeah. It was not a panacea. It wasn't mm. the only tool. Uh, the other component of it is that the development also does have affordable housing mm. connected to it. Oh, um, I got a few more questions. Sure. Success. Metrics of success. What does success look like as a narrative and metrics? Like, what are the metrics? Five years. What? 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 I'm assuming people invest. People want their return on investment for anything. I mean, this is very impactful, social impact. So, can you talk sure, about that? Sure. Sure. So it's going to be defined differently by each organization. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll speak to MCW. MCW created a health equity academic committee. And we're moving several centers and institutes and programs to that location. So our Health Equity Academic Committee is currently developing those metrics of success. And because they're different centers and institutes, there's going to be different uh, metrics that will determine success for that, that center and that institute. And we're also brought our faculty members together through this committee to define what we want to see over the generational commitment we've made. So we've made a, a generational commitment. So it doesn't have to be a metric that is today. We, mm. We're going to be looking into the future. So we have long-term leases with rural capital, both of both organizations, and those metrics will be developed over time. Now you'll be measured about, you know, all the traditional metrics, mm. which is, you know, how big of an investment it is mm-hmm. from in the neighborhood but if you just kind of from a narrative standpoint, it's been a place where the community that has been there for generations will be proud of it. Mm-hmm. And we have made ourselves a part of the community. And what I mean by that is that if there is a Mr. Crawford, Fletcher mm-hmm. Crawford, who lives on the corner, is proud of what we've done. If Miss Mosley is proud of what <laughs> we've done. You know, if leaders in the Harambe area other nonprofits uh, in that area. I'm, I'm just trying to recall the gentleman's name, Pastor Monk. Do you know Pastor Monk? <laughs> he is uh, just up the street and he's been integral in, in the Community Advisory Council. If he, being there every day, can look to that building and say, people took what I and others have been talking about into consideration, if they can see themselves in the building, mm-hmm. I think that's success. And I'll tell you, this is small, so I'm from a small town, Gary, Indiana, and I lived next to a church that my great-grandfather built. And I had so much pride in it because he built it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think that's what creates yeah. community, right? So that's from a narrative mm-hmm. standpoint, the people who have invested to live there for a long term and young people are inspired to want to go there because they know it's a community. Mm-hmm. It's near all of the things that, you know, uh, young people want, which is access to downtown, access to quality foods, access to uh, museums, mm-hmm. you know, affordability, a night spot that you can go to and you can enjoy yourself without it being too heavy on you. You know, that's what I think would be mm-hmm. success. What do you want the call to action from our political leaders here in Milwaukee and in Madison, what's your call to action to them about projects, about this project? And I'm going to go to different. The call of action I would think about is that let's invest upstream. 
let's invest, you know, in improving health outcomes. Uh, let's invest in improving housing stock. Invest in people earlier before you have to respond to the negative indicators, diabetes. Mm-hmm. Which comes expensive. That's the way it says. Like exactly. my dad says, like, get your doctor checkup, which I, right. I need to do. Right. <laughs> or it's going to be a whole lot. You might you might pay $80 now, but you might, if you don't do that $80 now, it might be $3,000 later. Correct. That's and that's, that is what we are hoping to do. And to, that saves money on the government. That saves money on the government. It creates greater, you know, longer life expectancies. Mm-hmm. So... You know, that's that is the the crux of what we hope to do to also improve the negative indicators from an educational standpoint. So I I'll just tie it into this. Howard Fuller Collegiate Academy is going to be next door to us mm-hmm. and, you know, providing quality results no matter, you know, where you're meeting a person at. So it's really getting and investing early is what mm-hmm. I think a, a call of action can be as opposed to always on the back end. The next call to action is to the suburbanite. I mean, call out the white, where the Whitefish Bay, where the sure. Waukesha, they're listening to this. And they're like, why should I care? And, and if I do care, what can I do to, to be more impactful? What do you say to that, to them? I think you should care because uh, this community, given its demographic makeup, cannot be its best self if a majority of its residents are not thriving or not functioning at the capacity that they can function at. Just look at the population. And so it is in all of our best interests if we can improve on that negative indicator statistics that we're talking about. Because it's what, you know, mm. uh, one, 1. 1.6 million people mm-hmm. uh, in the metro area, area. Yeah. Uh, you know, approximately. So that's, I always make the economic argument first. Uh, and then second, if people want to be a part of it, there are ways to invest. The Thrive on Collaboration has funds that people can invest in. So, uh, you know, I would direct them to the Greater Milwaukee Foundation and the foundation can tell you about the various funds that we have that will go to directly to improving health outcomes, increasing racial equity and inclusion. Now that we got a better understanding of the housing component of Thrive On, let's zoom out and think about the intersection of issues here. What you may have noticed about this effort, the solution is that it's led by people of color. Their work and approach is intentionally designed to serve a community with its own distinct needs, and the leaders in charge actually reflect the community. Ken Robertson is the Chief Operating Officer for the Greater Milwaukee Foundation and says that detail makes all the difference. I just think we're, you know, and I want to keep this on a positive tip, but I think we're a little slow on the solution side. Mm. What do you mean by, why, why are we slow on the solution side? Why is the solutions are so hard to come by? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think it's a natural tendency to go with what you're comfortable with, to stay in the status quo, to deal with people that you're most familiar with, that you think you connect. And I think Milwaukee is challenged with kind of getting outside of them themselves in that mm-hmm. space. A lot of the projects that, you know, I think are most important 
for the city, you can't use that traditional lens. Mm. And if you don't have the ability to get outside of yourself and be creative about how you pull these pieces together, then you get what you've always got, mm. which is kind of the status quo. And I will tell you housing. There's just not enough housing. And unfortunately, like a lot of issues, it weighs most heavily on people of color not yeah. having that opportunity. So it's important for us. Again, in all those strategies that I've talked about, you know, you'll see that, you know, our strategic focus is weighing heavily, it weighs heavily on areas that have impact people of color. And this pivots a little bit away from the charitable model. You know, mm. we're being intentional around focusing our investments on these triggers that we believe that will ultimately move our city. I like how you use the word investment instead of charitable. I think using that language is the first step of really changing the narrative and perception of the community that's been affected by decades and centuries of disenfranchisement and racism and systemic racism to say it's investing. There's, there's a value to that, that it means it's not just for them when I hear that word, but it's for the whole, the whole community of Milwaukee, white Milwaukee, brown Milwaukee, the whole state when I hear the word investment, right? And I like that, the fact that you use that term. Mm. We're not doing just pure charitable work. Mm. We, there's areas, there's challenges, there's real triggers that we're trying to focus in on, like early childhood mm. education, housing, economic development. And we believe if we don't really lean into that work around it, then the Milwaukee that exists today will be the Milwaukee that exists tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We're bringing in a world-class early childhood education center right on the first floor. So we're providing support to that community, but we're not, you know, it's not just about that Thrive On building. We're providing support along the adjacent neighborhoods for early childhood education providers mm -hmm. around it. We're bringing in, you know, other vendors to provide neighborhood support, diversity, MKE, mm -hmm. job work. So we're big investors in that kind of first floor space. Mm -hmm. uh, is GMF also focused on trying to get homeowners as well as part of the, of your, the, the foundation? Absolutely. You know, we talked about housing insecurity mm -hmm. and that's a focus for us. So not ready for prime time yet, but we're working on plans right now to develop funds to kind of bring this housing challenge that we have to scale, to really attack this at scale. Now, part of what we've done with Thrive On is a mixed income housing. So we're bringing some housing to that neighborhood mm -hmm. around it. We've made smaller investments, I would say, in housing initiatives. So that's one of the things that we're working on kicking mm -hmm. off night right now really is an initiative to really bring bring that to scale. And I would add representation really mm -hmm. matters. There's no substitute for having some folks that look like the folks that we're talking mm -hmm. about actually at the table, leaning in in an authentic way to really address the work mm -hmm. around it. There's just no substitute for mm -hmm. it because again, you know, it's so easy to say that there's a handful of folks mm -hmm. around the city that actually are exception to the rule, but the rule is it relates to 95% of mm -hmm. people, and that's not true. And mm -hmm. we gotta press more for real representation of partners or, or, or folks that actually command real power mm -hmm. in these organizations. I believe that's one of the key triggers 
for us to really move mm-hmm. move things forward. So. One of the things I, I joked, and no disrespect to nonprofits, I work in nonprofits, is I served on many nonprofit boards. I'm like, you know what? I, my next board, I don't want a nonprofit board. I want a corporate board, you know, because I, I see the the there's more impact, you know, and I you know that's a I don't know how so many. That's a whole nother conversation yeah, uh, around the barriers yeah. that prevent something like that from happening. But you know, I mean, I go again. It gets back to being really, you know, true to what you're actually trying to accomplish, and then our power structure kind of taking on mm. risk. So when you're sitting in a boardroom, whether it's a not-for-profit boardroom or for-profit boardroom, you're sitting in there because you don't believe that one person has all the intellectual mm-hmm. capacity to be able to make all the decisions mm-hmm. around it. That means you gotta believe, you gotta trust the other people around around the table, that they can lean in, they can have the same conversations, make the same sort of decisions that you can make. So you're, you're viewing them as equals. And that's the major obstacle is that, you know, am I not invited into this boardroom because you don't consider me value having value or being able to to make the same sort of decisions that you make when I have all these rich experiences, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't have. Yeah. You know, so well, we, we took a turn there. Yeah. Thrive On will open later this year in November, if all goes to plan. To learn more about the project and the collaborative approach, head to the show notes in the description box of this player. And coming up next time on By Every Measure Season 2, we'll continue our conversation with Ken. We'll bring in Kevin Newell of Royal Capital to speak to the economic impact of the development. It all ties back to building generational wealth, which will be our focus next time. Till then, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed and join our discussion on Facebook. We've got a daily discussion in the group and a weekly virtual meetup. So you can find, engage with us however is convenient for you. But we do want to hear from you. So check out the Facebook group and be sure to follow us for the rest of the season. We have two more episodes to go. Generational Wealth and we'll end the series with the overarching theme of Black Resilience. I'm Tariq Moody, along with Kim Shine and Reggie Jackson, and we'll talk to you next time on By Every Measure, Season 2. By Every Measure, Season 2 is hosted by Tariq Moody and Reggie Jackson, as well as contributor Kim Shine. I'm Nate Imig, executive producer for the podcast, which is mixed and edited by Kiri Salinas, with segment producing by Salam Fatayer. Mallory Wallace and DJ Brewer manage our community engagement in our Facebook discussion group, while Sarah Lahr leads our marketing team of Dan Reiner and Aaron Bagata. Brett Kraskowski is Radio Milwaukee's web editor, and Maxie Jackson is Radio Milwaukee's executive director. Thanks most of all to our members for making this and all content from Radio Milwaukee possible. Radio Milwaukee is hyphen 414music.fm and 88.9 in Milwaukee. By Every Measure Season 2 is an original podcast production of Radio Milwaukee, part of the NPR Podcast Network.